It's 11.30 here at KRVN. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Another packed house. It's time for midday on this Tuesday. It's a gloomy Tuesday. Our guests, not so gloomy. We'll hear from them here in just a moment. Weather improving a little bit, but still chances snow and rain here in the next 24 hours. You'll hear more about that in our regional ag weather update, 1145 with Paul Perkins. Scott again is filling in for Jason Jorgensen as he is on his way back from central Missouri as the UNK women's basketball season unfortunately came to an end. We'll hear more about that. Bob will tell us how stocks are doing so far here on this Tuesday. And of course, Susan Littlefield again is here in the studio with us and Susan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. A little gloomy. Nice to see the interstate open. Right. I'm sure it was busy last night when they allowed everybody to get on the interstate. Let me tell you, when I drove home last night, it was eerie yes, it seeing was. no westbound traffic. Mm-hmm. It was just odd. I thought, and there was no east, hardly any eastbound either. It was just odd. It, it, you'd had to drive around a lot of barricades on the highway to get home going westbound, that's for mm-hmm. sure. But it was good that they did open I-76 to get something moving, right. at least. But so. there was still a lot of semis when I noticed, yes, as I was coming this morning, that you haven't left because more than likely they're headed to Wyoming and sure. can't get there. Can't so get there. why not just stay in place? Going to be a while for them. Hopefully later tonight is what they're expecting. But uh, what do you have for us coming up on midday? I got your lunch planned for not this Wednesday, but for this Saturday. It's oh. meat on a menu day. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the governor's big push. As you may have heard, Colorado governor is doing a meatless menu for Saturday. Mm-hmm. So our governor said, well, we'll take it up a notch and, and do a, a meat on the menu Saturday. So Bryce will bring us more about that at 1219. Then Clay comes in here at 1245. The Nebraska Farm Bureau's got some new state leadership, and they've been touring around the state, this time hitting central Nebraska. And they'll talk about a meeting that they had in the Curtis area. And then Clay will wrap up at 117 with Paul Moseman, president of AgWest Commodities. They've got a final market webinar that takes place tomorrow. Okay, very good. Uh, meet on the menu uh, every day for me. At oh, least. amen. Much. Really uh, let's turn things over to Scott Foster, UNK women's basketball team. Another great run, but fell just short last night. Yeah, it's tough to beat a team and, and second time, especially on the road like that, as they fell to Central Missouri 67-57. to 57. We'll hear from Claire She's one of the players that will be back. What a year. The Lopers went 23-4. and The Nebraska women will get to continue dancing. They'll be going to the WNIT, taking on Tennessee Martin there. And it is transfer portal season for men's basketball. That has been very active the last couple years, and it didn't take long as three Husker basketball players have said uh, thanks, but... No, thanks. We'll be going somewhere else. But it could be good news. Maybe you could bring in some other guys, potentially. Well, that's certainly what Coach Hoiberg has had to do a lot of, is bring in new guys, because his whole team pretty much left last year. I'm sad to see Ivana Drago go. I thought he had some potential, but his playing time had gone down quite a bit. Yeah, Cole Rupp and Elijah Wood also leaving the program. All right, we'll have more on that coming up. Also, let's turn things over to Bob Brogan. How are stocks performing? Shares were mixed in trading this morning. After uh, hitting an all-time high yesterday, the S&P seeing some modest gains after the uh, Commerce Department reported Americans cut spending more than expected in February. Also, a few more questions about that uh, AstraZeneca vaccine, and uh, that's halted its use in a few uh, European countries. Okay, all of that and more coming up on Midday, but here's Clay Patton. (laughs) 
Paul, you didn't know you are going to be doing auction time, did you? I, I could talk fast, but not that fast. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong button pushed. Uh, goodness gracious. That is Paul Perkins now joining us here in the studio. It is time for regional ag weather update, not auction time. We'll have more of that coming up. <laughs> Later this afternoon, well, more precipitation fell across our listening area yesterday. Some areas still seeing it, but uh, was it yesterday or two days or a few days ago that we saw some weird precipitation in eastern Nebraska? Yeah, it was mainly yesterday, uh, some light precipitation with this system that kind of the remnants of it yesterday moved through. Uh, they had some muddy rain in southeast mm. Nebraska, basically linking on it to southeast Nebraska. A lot of people were noticing a film of mud being left on some outside items like their patio decks or maybe their vehicles. And that was in Lincoln and southeast Nebraska. It turns out that same storm that brought all the heavy rain and snow to our area stirred up large areas of dust in Texas that eventually made its way to the north, kind of hung out in the upper atmosphere. Then the dust in the sky combined with the light rain to follow some muddy rain in southeast Nebraska yesterday. And we do have a little bit more on that on our KRB and Facebook page. Well, I saw the pictures on social media yesterday. And as you mentioned, you can see them for yourself on our KRV and Facebook page. But I didn't realize it was coming from Texas and then eventually falling in eastern Nebraska. That shows you how powerful this storm system was because it was sucking up a lot of moisture and it was very strong. And then it pushed that dust way up into the upper levels of the atmosphere, made it all the way north to southeast Mm. Nebraska, and then fell down in some muddy rain. That's wild stuff. Uh, We are not done yet. There is uh, more precipitation on the horizon, too. Yeah, one more system moving through tonight. Still some lingering chances of precipitation today. Still some of that on into north-central and northeast Nebraska to the west of O'Neill and also to the north of Norfolk, some light rain and snow mix. Also a little bit of light rain right now over southeast Nebraska from about Nebraska City on over to February. All of that moisture for the time being moving off towards the north and northeast. Our temperatures right now in the upper 30s to low 40s. Small rain chances and cloud cover will linger on for today on the backside of one area of low pressure. Temperatures slightly cooler than normal for today. More chances of rain and some snow increase for tonight through tomorrow as one last area of low pressure tracks across the southern plains only minor snow accumulations up to an inch are expected a few thunderstorms may occur in uh, northern kansas by tomorrow morning since the system is now trending a little bit farther to the south northern areas of nebraska could actually get a break and remain dry from any precipitation with this lowest passage north winds expected to increase and they could gust as high as 40 to 50 as we head towards tomorrow now any lingering precipitation We'll exit for tomorrow night. That will allow for a return to dry weather for Thursday through most of the day Sunday with increasing sunshine, temperatures by the weekend, seasonal to slightly above normal, and in some convenient timing, Saturday and Sunday look to be the warmest days of the next seven. More rain chances, possibly mixed with some snow, do return by Sunday night into Monday with another area of low pressure and cold front. The latest long-term forecast, not looking as cool as yesterday's outlook, The early half of next week looks to be slightly warmer than normal for Nebraska and Kansas. Temperatures now expected to be mainly seasonal or near normal for late next week through March 29th. Now, for reference in central Nebraska, the average daytime highs for the late part of March are in the low to mid-50s with average overnight lows in the upper 20s to about 30. For the early half of next week, Nebraska and Kansas predicted to see above normal precipitation, but by late next week through the 29th, it does turn drier with below normal precipitation. Key weather factors driving the markets include another storm forming for the central U.S. during the midweek and indications of a dry and hot summer in the plains and western Midwest. As the storm tracks to the east, some additional snow 
will accumulate through the midweek across the central and southern plains. A multi-day severe weather outbreak may begin as early as tonight across the southern plains. For the southern plains, the additional precipitation will continue the beneficial reversal of fortunes for winter wheat as it exits dormancy along with providing moisture a benefit ahead of row crop planting. In the Midwest, soil moisture will continue to improve for drier areas, especially western Iowa and towards the Great Lakes. The latest seasonal forecasts from the International Climate and Research Institute are predicting much above normal temperatures and below normal precipitation during the summer months of June through August in the western Midwest, the Plains, and Canadian prairies. The hotter and drier trend also indicated for the entire western U.S. Those forecasts indicate some stressful conditions are ahead for corn and soybeans as they enter the reproductive and filling stages in the upcoming growing season. So looking at a hot summer and a dry summer potentially in our area. So good thing we're getting some of this precipitation now that yeah. the, the ground can soak up because likely it's going to be a drier summer again. Yes. And but one thing to keep in mind, they were thinking March was going to be True. below normal True. for precipitation. We thought February was going to be warmer than normal. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you never know on these long-term outlooks. So <laughs> do take them with a grain of salt. But something to watch for as we head towards summer. So we have one more system to kind of move through. Uh, and then starting this weekend and into next week, we'll see more spring-like temperatures. Yeah, um, more normal temperatures. It looks like uh, some beneficial weather with those temperatures. That'll start to really green things up. That's true. All right, very good. Well, for more weather information, where can you find that at? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you. The Nebraska governor proclaims Saturday as Meat on the Menu Day. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Brian Stuskit reporting. Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts spent part of yesterday in Omaha at Stoicage Mead railing against a proclamation by the governor of Colorado that encourages people to avoid eating mead one day a week. Ricketts called the proclamation that uh, the Colorado governor signed a direct attack on our way of life and signed a pro-meat declaration of his own. Having meat as part of your diet is an important part of an overall healthy diet. For example, uh, three ounces of beef has got as much protein in it as three cups of quinoa. And I don't know anybody who wants to sit down and eat three cups of quinoa at one time. So beef, for example, is one of the most nutrient-dense products you can eat. But it's also in response to what Governor Bolas is is doing in Colorado with the Meat Out Day. Now, Meat Out is a movement to end animal agriculture in our country. And that is a direct attack on our way of life here in Nebraska. Our farmers and ranchers were the original conservationists. They wanted to pass along the family farm and ranch to the next generation. And so they took care of the land and the animals. And if you were to get rid of meat in our country, you would be undermining our food security, an important point of, an important part of our diets, a part of a healthy diet, and also destroying an industry here in our state that's very important. Uh, beef is the number one industry, over $6 billion in receipts every year. The overall livestock industry is about $12 billion, and that's over half of all of agriculture. About 40% of our corn crop goes to feeding livestock. So you can see this is an important part of our way of life here in Nebraska and would uh, really harm our family farmers and ranchers. Amber Pankinen is a registered dietitian. She encourages people to not cancel meat on their menu. Uh, Because it is such a nutritious source uh, of nutrition. Also, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, just looking at taking meat off the menu, something that I've seen in my experience is when we take something out of our diet, 
we're usually replacing it with something else. And some of those alternatives aren't necessarily more nutritious than lean animal protein. Some of those alternatives actually can be much higher in total calories, saturated fat, and sodium compared to lean animal protein. So what lean animal protein can provide, in addition to being a great source of quality protein because it provides all nine essential amino acids, is that it provides vitamins and minerals that are really important for growth and development, especially in children. Those nutrients are really important to support immune health. And also, it's really important just for overall health and wellness and weight management when consumed in moderation. So with that, I would encourage all of you to personalize your plate with a variety of foods, including fruits, vegetables, whole grains, low-fat dairy, and lean animal protein. Again, because it is such a convenient and tasty source of nutrition. Steve Wellman is the director of the Nebraska Department of Agriculture. He says a healthy meat industry equates for a healthy economy in Nebraska. While it all starts on our farms and ranches, there are other businesses, such as Frank's Doisy's Meats, involved in getting our healthy meats onto the consumer's plates. So to Nebraska's farmers, ranchers, and the businesses that support them, I just want to say thank you, and please keep up your great work of raising and preparing safe, healthy meats for us and for consumers across the world. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Bryce Duskit reporting on the Rural Radio Network. And it's time for Midday Sports, which means Scott Foster is sitting in for Jason Jorgensen this afternoon. Jason's making his way back from Central Missouri, and, well, yesterday they had a tornado warning in Central Missouri, then they had the UNK women's basketball game, and unfortunately came up on the losing end. I wonder if that was an omen of some kind. When you when you get a tornado <laughs> warning, that that's you don't see that very often. No. Well, not during basketball games. You know, I believe we've had some weather issues during baseball, of course, and then football and softball. But uh, basketball, that's rare, I think. Why not? It's 20, 20, 1, 20, whatever. UNK's run for the postseason came to an end last night with a 67-57 loss to Central Missouri in the NCAA Regional Final. The majority of this year's team will return, though, next season. Forward Claire Kirsch talks about the Lopers. Says the Lopers will be back. It's almost uh, a good thing that the same people who are feeling that feeling in the locker room right now are the same ones coming back to work this this next season, this off season, and uh, next season to come because that's definitely something that's going to fuel us, every one of us in there. I'm definitely looking forward to having a lot of people back. Yeah, um, I would agree with. What a nice season for UNK. The Lopers advance to the Sweet mm-hmm. 16 for just the third time in school history, and they finish year 23-4. and four. Well, How about UNK women's sports in general? Oh, yeah. The volleyball team a couple of years ago, you know, and if they would have played this season, would have uh, potentially got back to the national championship game or made another deep run. The women's basketball team playing well as well. So, yeah, well done there, UNK. It seems like uh, the women's sports uh, on the rise. Uh, maybe for all of Nebraska. Actually, if Good you look point. at that, the Huskers, too. Speaking of the Huskers, mm-hmm. the, that was a segue. See how we did Listen, that? Listen, we know what we're doing That's here right. in this the, business. The Nebraska women's basketball team earned a bid to the 32-team postseason WNIT when its selections for the field were announced on Monday. The Huskers, who are 12-2, and will begin postseason play against UT Martin at the 
team Memphis Regional in the WNIT on Friday at My Town Movers Field in Collierville, Tennessee. Uh, the 2021 postseason WNIT marks its 23rd year, and even though some teams didn't play a lot. There were four squads who still notched 20 or more victories that are in this league, this uh, group. Bowling Green, California Baptist, Delaware, and UT Martin. The transfer portal is once again being populated by former Husker men basketball players. Nebraska head coach Fred Hoiberg confirmed Monday evening that Akola Rupp, did I say that right? I think so. Okay, good. Ivan Idrago and mm-hmm. Elijah Wood have I got you said that, one. that one right. Thank you. Have entered their names in the NCAA transfer portal. Hoiberg said this, everyone in our program appreciates Nicole, Yvonne, and Elijah's contributions to our program, especially over the past year during the pandemic. Hoiberg went on to say that I have enjoyed coaching all of them and will support them as they finish their spring semester and begin the process of looking at other schools. I wish them the best in the future. In other words, see ya! Former Husker coach Tim Miles is rumored to be among the candidates to take over the head coaching duties at New Mexico University. Mm-hmm. Go Lobos, Miles rebuilt the Colorado State program before taking the Rams to the NCAA tournament appearance in 2011 and 12 before earning the Nebraska job in Lincoln. Miles went 116 and 114 in seven seasons, including one NCAA tournament appearance and two NITs. He joins Kyle Keller from Stephen F. Austin and the newly fired Minnesota coach Richard Patino, uh, as those expected to have the lead for the vacancy. Let me just say this real quick about Tim Miles. Two mm-hmm. programs that have not been in the national tournament very often, very rarely. Colorado State and Nebraska, he's taken them both there in the first couple of seasons. I think he deserves another shot. I agree. No, I totally agree. And just seems like a good guy. Agree. You know, he's a guy yeah. you root for. And and he sent a couple of guys to the NBA when he was at Nebraska as well. I mean, he's got a guy right now playing Isaiah Roby, who's actually been starting. That's right. So uh, give him another shot. Okay. All right. One last story <laughs> here I want to get you. The Denver Broncos have exercised mm-hmm. uh, their... Uh, their star linebacker, Von Miller's 2021 option. Uh, lovely news. I, knew, I woke I, up to that this morning. I knew you would like that. Great stuff. All right. Thank you very much. It's time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder has stepped in. And, well, this upcoming Saturday is a, a, a big day for meat lovers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yesterday, Governor Pete Ricketts signed that proclamation declaring this Saturday as Meat on the Menu Day. The proclamation is in response to Colorado Governor Jared Polis's proclaiming March 20th as Meat Out Day. Governor Ricketts expressed his thoughts during a news conference on why meat is so important not only for Nebraskans but for everyone. For example, uh, three ounces of beef has got as much protein in it and, as three cups of quinoa. And I don't know anybody who wants to sit down and eat three cups of quinoa at one time. So beef, for example, is one of the most nutrient-dense uh, products you can eat. But it's also in response to what Governor Polis is doing in Colorado with the Meat Out Day. Now, Meat Out is a movement to end animal agriculture in our country. And that is a direct attack on our way of life here in Nebraska. Ricketts adds that if meat were to be removed from everyone's diet, it would be destroying an industry in Nebraska that sees $6 billion in receipts each year. Casinos in Nebraska won't have to close during county fairs or the Nebraska State Fair. Under a bill advanced by state lawmakers, 
Senators gave first-round approval to a measure that would add casinos to the list of allowable gaming activities during fairs. State law already allows wagering on horse races, bingo games, raffles, and the sale of pickle cards during fairs, but not casino gambling. Well, the issue became relevant after voters approved a ballot measure in 2020 to allow casinos at state-licensed horse racing tracks. The measure was introduced by State Senator Ray Aguilar of Grand Island, whose district includes that horse racing track at Fawner Park that's expected to become a casino on the Nebraska State Fair. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly says Kansans will give COVID vaccinations faster than planned so that all adults with medical conditions can seek shots next week. She also announced that Kansas will aim for President Joe Biden's goal of having inoculations available for all adults uh, by May 1st. She said Kansas will launch both the third and the fourth phase of its planned vaccine distribution next week. So some good news there in Kansas as well. Okay. All right. Very good. So if you want to go watch your uh, favorite 4-H'er get the uh, Grand Champion steer Mm -hmm. and then flip a few coins in a slot machine, you could probably do it. (laughs) Uh, You're not going to have to convince me of that one, Dave. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much. A lot has changed in the 70 years KRVN has been on the air, but one thing hasn't, the dedication to our listeners. KRVN has been busting through Blizzard since our first day on the air in 1951, and this year is no different. This year, KRVN, The River, and Cami are giving you the opportunity to win a Blizzard-busting Polaris 450 EPS. This ATV is brand new with front and back racks, and we're adding a go light with remote control. It's a complete package for bad weather and good. Blizzard Buster is sponsored in part by Hayden Outdoors. Farm, ranch, and recreational real estate. Pony Express Chevrolet Buick, Gothenburg. Pony Express Ford, Minden. Heartland Chevrolet Buick, Lexington. And Platte Valley Auto, Lexington and Kearney. From busting through snowdrifts during calving to riding the river in the fall looking for that perfect buck. The Polaris is a workhorse that is also loaded for fun. Register at Budkey Power Sports North Platte, Homestead Bank, Lexington, and Cozad, and Max Shortstop, Lexington. See more registration locations at krvn.com. I'm Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Nebraska Farm Bureau President Mark McCarg made his first official trip through central Nebraska last week, and I was able to catch up with the tour in the evening when they met with the Los Canyons Rangeland Alliance, or LCRA for short, at the Fire Hall in Curtis, Nebraska. To tell us more about the LCRA and how they are fighting back against the boom of the eastern red cedar, we talk with president of the group, Quentin Mortensen. We're all landowner-based operation, nonprofit organization. We get our funding from grants, and then we have a dollar an acre donation with some rules and you know, you got to be a member for X amount of years and got to participate in so many burns before we'll actually go burn your property. It just kind of, that way you know what's going on, you know how to do things, you know. You don't just jump into it and just take off running. If you ask anybody on this group, I'll guarantee you they learn something every day. It's one of them deals. It's kind of, it's a fun group to work with. I've enjoyed being around them. And all the landowner started back in 2002 with the help from NRCS. It took a little bit to get started, but once we hit the ground we took off we slowed down during the drought years we've picked back up here last year we burnt upwards of around 16,000 acres in nine days we only get so many days in the spring to work with so we got to take what we can get and hope for the best Following his conversation with President McCarg, Mortensen hopes that the importance of a rangeland alliance like LCRA is better understood by decision makers in Nebraska 
We do this to protect our livelihood. We're not out there to burn just to burn. We realize we're putting smoke in the air, and some of it's going back east, some of it's going north, south, east, west, you know, it don't matter, but it's how we make our livelihood. Everybody goes to a job in the city, you know, and air pollution in the city is way worse than what we're dealing with sending you smokes. It might be kind of smoky, and you might have allergies, and it might hurt for a while but it's our livelihood just like you get up and go to work every day in town kind of where we're at right now and just trying to open to keep working with the farm bureau as we have in the past and hopefully we can cross the new bridge when it gets here whatever it may be another key figure from lcra that was active in the meeting was 15-year burn boss scott stout stout first shares the results he's seen firsthand from prescribed burning as an eastern red cedar control method well, when we first started there in 2002, results were, I wouldn't say great, or roughly a 40% mortality. Since then, we've grown to roughly 80 to 85% mortality on all acres burned. Right, currently, we're roughly burned about 85,000 acres within the Los Canyons in our little area here. It's become something that kind of a secondary nature, part of our management plan now as, as producers. Stout and all the LCRA members were happy to share their experiences and knowledge on prescribed burning with Farm Bureau leadership and hopes that the correct message is brought back to policy discussions in Lincoln. First of all is having that positive voice for prescribed fire within not only our area but within across the state. Following the meeting and barbecue brisket meal provided by LCRA, I talked with President McCarg to get his thoughts from the meeting and his first official trip through central Nebraska. I've learned today that Nebraska has just a lot of great producers. It was confirmed uh, by our, our conversations today, uh, smart people, uh, very involved in their communities. Tonight, ending with the LRCA, I mean, great people doing great work, really stewarding the land. By the way, they uh, help burn the properties and, and clear the cedars. Uh, that was really fascinating to learn more about that. President McCarg was keen to absorb what ranchers and other LCRA members had to say about prescribed burning and is ready to help carry a positive, well-informed message into future meetings with legislators, ag producers, and other key stakeholders in the ag industry. The situation that burning does and, and is good for the soil, good for the habitat, good for the rangeland. And when we don't do that on a regular basis, we have invasive species like the cedars come in. And really, it, it lowers the stocking rate. It takes moisture. And all those things that uh, burning will take care of, but it be, needs to be done in a prescribed manner. And uh, this group does it safely and does it well and helps us uh, keep the environment the way that God intended it to be. Also joining Nebraska Farm Bureau President McCarg at the LCRA meeting was Nebraska Farm Bureau Vice President Sherry Venton. I live south of Whitman in the Sand Hills, and I'm excited to be the new vice president. I think I'm the first woman vice president that they've had, and I will be chairing the PAC committee and policy development. Although Vinton is from the Sand Hills, this is not the first time she's heard about the good work the LCRA has done in progressing controlled burning as a measure to stop the eastern red cedar across Nebraska and much of the Midwest. I was very impressed. I've known of the LCRA group for years and helped fund some of their work from the Environmental Trust. Their prescribed burns are known nationwide for their practices. They have literally written the manual on how to do a proper prescribed burn, so I'm very impressed with this group. Vinton explains why LCRA in particular has written the manual on prescribed burning and has been able to secure grant funds for their environmental efforts. And one of the best things about this group is their teamwork. 
They are neighbors working together, and that's what it takes to pull off a prescribed burn in this area because you're talking hundreds, if not thousands, of acres, as opposed to some areas in the state or the nation where you might only be doing 40 or 80 acres. So these guys know what it takes to do their due diligence, write a good burn plan, and they really work together. A big thank you to Nebraska Farm Bureau and LCRA leadership for their time and inviting me to their meeting in Curtis last week. As for my takeaway from the meeting, I think burn boss Scott Stout says it best. Cedar encroachment is a statewide issue, not only statewide but regional. Before it gets to the point we have lost roughly 75% of our grazing capacities before prescribed fire, I think just go out and assess your property and start on it before it's too late. Thanks for listening to the Rural Radio Network. This is Greg Sharp coming up tonight on Sports Sunday. We'll have all the day's headlines coming your way here as we hit the middle of March. All that March madness. Love it this time of year. That and more tonight here on Sports Nightly. Listen to Sports Nightly on 880 KRVN, 106.9 FM, Kearney, and 98.5 FM, Grand Island. With the business report for Tuesday, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are mixed in afternoon trading as Wall Street looks to match its longest winning streak of the year. Investors continue to closely watch the bond market with even minute changes in bond yields causing stocks to fluctuate. They are also working through economic data that showed Americans cut back spending last month. European shares were mostly higher despite news that AstraZeneca's coronavirus vaccine, which was being used heavily in Europe and Asia, had reports of blood clots after usage. The vaccine's usage has been suspended in Europe. Americans spent less last month partly due to bad weather in parts of the country that kept shoppers away from stores. Retail sales fell a seasonally adjusted 3% in February from the month before, according to the U.S. Commerce Department. The drop comes after retail sales soared in January as people spent the $600 stimulus checks sent at the end of last year. In fact, the Commerce Department revised its January number up to 7.6% from its previously reported increase of 5.3%. Economists expect retail sales to rise again in March as many Americans get $1,400 direct payments, part of a $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief package that was signed into law last week. Industrial output fell sharply in February as severe winter storms battered much of the country, disrupting a wide range of manufacturing activities from autos to chemical plants, the expectation is that the drop will be temporary, although there are concerns about growing global supply chain problems. A grand opening has been held for the four-story, $75 million University of Michigan Ford Motor Company Robotics Building. Three floors of the 134,000-square-foot complex house classrooms and research labs for robots that fly, walk, roll, and augment the human body. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Clay Patton on the World Radio Network. In less than 24 hours, AgWest Commodity will be hosting their fourth and final pre-planting webinar, Corn Demand and Your Marketing Plan. Again, it's tomorrow, 1230 to 2 p.m., com, where you can sign up. Before we get to the tomorrow, though, and the actual webinar itself, first we learn what's going on. And to do so, we talk with President of AgWest Commodities, Paul Mooseman. Paul, I've appreciated all the times I've got to talk to you over these webinars, but number four is here. Give us one more time what's happening tomorrow. 
we think and, and felt the most important impact in prices going forward is the demand picture. We raised an average to a decent crop last year, but the balance sheet shrunk. And it's not only just demand here, it's demand globally. We talked about in, in December the South America growth. We talked about in January the cash demand. And then we talked about China and their demand in February. So here in March, we're going to talk about demand here at home. The two biggest drivers behind that demand, at least from the corn's perspective, is ethanol and livestock. So we've got two great folks that are boots on the ground in the trenches making decisions whether or not they turn on the grind or turn it up, turn it down, or shut it off. They're going to be joining us for a conversation about what corn demand looks like today and as we go into the summer. Then we've also got some of the higher folks at USDA that are going to join us. Try to describe on what some of the changes have happened since last fall and then what maybe it looks like here going forward with some planted acres, some of the demand equations that's on the balance sheet, also some usage. So really kind of just get a big, real deep look at what this grain demand situation looks like. Paul, I'm excited the fact that you guys are really taking another look at the ethanol picture as well as it relates to corn demand and how that may figure into somebody's marketing plan because it was last year during COVID when we saw the big ethanol disruption. So what are you hoping are some of the things that come out of the ethanol discussion on the webinar? The ethanol is a dicey thing, right? Now that we've got a new administration and some things happening at Washington that are that are different than the previous administration. Of course, I don't have the answers, but we need those answers, right? We need to know, is ethanol on a stable foot? And what's it look like? Is, is there enough corn out there for feed, exports, and ethanol? So I think some of those questions we've got to answer as, as a producer of corn, like many of your listeners are. Don't, don't we need to know that going into 2021, and, and won't that information help us make better decisions for our farm? So, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to asking some of those tough questions about ethanol margins and, and about expectations with ethanol as we go into a new political kind of cycle, if you will, and, and also a new demand structure. It's been a long time since ethanol had to fight against exports and feed, and I'd call it a fight right now. So I want to know, since we've got a dog in that fight, what, what's that look like? And so we're going to ask some of those questions, and uh, hopefully your listeners and, and those great ag producers out there can take that information and use it for their benefit. GoAgWest.com is where you can visit. You still have time. I realize we're in under 23 hours before this webinar kicks off, but there's still time to register. GoAgWest.com. Paul, the last one, unfortunately, couldn't be recorded due to some issues. What are you thinking on this one? Is it better to be there live, or will there be a recorded option possibly afterwards? Great question, Clay. We'll make all attempts to record this based on technology and Internet and all that good stuff. If we can record it, we will. If you really want to hear this and it's important to you, I'd, I'd be there live. That way there's no second guesses. Well, Paul, as we close out our last interview on the webinars, final or closing thoughts for us? It's been a pleasure to offer these throughout the winter. We really apologize not being able to get face-to-face like we've done the last two decades, but we hope that this information has helped you. And we will be back again when we can meet face-to-face and everyone can enjoy uh, life back to a normal stance. But best of luck to all you producers out there. 2021's got some great opportunities already. Let's keep engaged and capture some of these. 2021, let's do it. That's President of AgWest Commodities, Paul Mooseman. Catch their final marketing webinar tomorrow at GoAgWest.com. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we talk to John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. John, kind of an impressive close coming back where we traded on both sides of unchanged here today. But looking there at that soybean market, it's still an impressive thing. Anything to note the fact that China stepped in and bought corn this morning rather than buying soybeans? Well, I mean, the fact they're buying corn is a good sign. So it starts there. You really see the old crowd market's concerned now. 
May was trading, I think at one point last week, like 20, 25 cents under the March. So the March was trading like 360 and we were down around five, or I'm sorry, 560, we were down around 550, I'm sorry, 535 on the front month May contract. And now those have really closed. So uh, we're, we're almost trading premium cash again. And that's, that's going to probably remain the case until Brazil gets its problems figured out. So uh, there's a analyst, Michael Cordonaire is his name. Uh, he's, I think he's uh, from Brazil, but uh, he, he puts out a crop number and he said 105 is where we, where he's thinking. Uh, and, but they've got a whole crop to grow and it's late going in. So that's, that's the situation there. Right now we're seeing moisture in the U.S. That has kind of got wheat traders on their heels as we see it push down a little bit. But what's the possibility? What are you seeing for those uh, outlook forecasts? Are we going to see a hot and dry summer that's going to hinder the growing season? Yeah, I mean, that'll be a concern. It, it, July, KC has really been beat up against everything, whether it be corn, Chicago wheat, even Minneapolis. I mean, it's lost a lot of premium here. Uh, to the July contract on the Chicago side, I think it's like 2,500 now. And I know there are some big traders trying to play the protein game, uh, which I don't blame them. You know, I mean, the, the demand here is for consumable food. And, um, you know, at some point the milling premiums will kick in, but it's just a little early for that. And I think, you know, we are trading six bucks, old crops at a pre, uh, old crops at a, in a carry market still. So you, you've got supply that's there and looking to clean up, uh, what's available before the harvest begins in a couple of months. Uh, I, I look for wheat to be supported here. Uh, watch the close at the end of the week. If we can kind of close about six ten. I think that could spark a good technical sign uh, for for the following week. John, we've got about ten seconds here for somebody that goes to DanielZagMarketing.com. They can sign up for your daily newsletter and daily uh, commentary video this week in grain. What all is included with that? It's just a free morning video that I send out. Uh, you know, you want to talk to me? Email me. Feel free. Uh, I work for a company called StoneX now. So a lot of products available if you're ever interested in getting a shout. And again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing, a subsidiary there of StoneX, as John was explaining. But again, check it out loud at DanielsAgMarketing.com. That's DanielsAgMarketing.com. You can follow John along as well and Daniels at uh, on Twitter and more. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss. may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. All right, thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of Midday. If you missed anything, you can catch the Midday Podcast wherever podcasts are available, or you can catch the Midday Podcast sponsored by Devaney Motors again at krvn.com.